0: Chance Technology, the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of this series of podcasts from Gens Technology. This is Laura Flamarik, and today we have invited Stefan Vincent-Reed again, the CEO and founder of Gens Technology, this time to talk about skills data. Hi, Stefan. Hello. Let's jump into today's topic. Skills are getting a lot of attention these days, from businesses, Government institutions, policymakers, researchers, and many others. Gartner has called them the new currency for talent. And there have been many, many posts on reskilling, upskilling, future proof skills, top post COVID skills, etc. etc. I have heard that, especially these posts, even the ones from seemingly reliable sources like Forbes or the World Economic Forum, are a bit of a red rag to you, Stefan. Why is that?
1: For one thing, these posts hardly ever provide any kind of information as to what data their claims are based on. And the ones that do are almost always based on data that's really biased. Take the LinkedIn report on in-demand skills. Every time they're published, you see countless articles and posts reproducing these lists blindly, just taking them as face value. Nobody stops to think about the data behind them even though it's clear that, for instance, blue-collar professions and industries are massively underrepresented on their network. The report generates his huge buzz about how we need to reskill and upskill everyone to become IT professionals just because LinkedIn says that blockchain and cloud computing are most in demand. But that's not true.
0: So, what is in demand?
1: Well, before we even think about answering that question – We need to work out something much more fundamental. What exactly is a skill? Off the top of your head, what do you think is a skill?
0: Um, I'd say it's a capability, um, something you learn and you're really good at.
1: Okay, so with that definition, being a quick study isn't a skill because it's not something that you can learn. But being able to tie a knot in a stalk with your tongue is.
0: Okay, yeah, but that's probably not very relevant for anyone's job.
1: Exactly, but being a quick study can be. Okay, the Jerry Stalk example is a bit silly, but it turns out that finding a robust definition of skills is quite a challenge. And there are many, many definitions floating around. For instance, ESCO, the European Job and Skills Classification System, defines a skill as an ability to apply knowledge and know-how to complete tasks. Which includes, say, being able to use specific tools or software. But ONET, in the US, on the other hand, makes a distinction between these kinds of abilities and what they call skills, and indeed summarise anything that can be useful in a job under the term skill, competences, abilities and even knowledge.
0: I see. There is really a lot of variation.
1: Yes, and those are just the differences in the definition of a skill as a general concept. Then you get all sorts of interpretation when it comes to concrete examples. What are project management skills or carpentry skills? Those terms can mean very different things depending on who you ask, and all this variation will cause disparities in data collection and analysis, along with many other serious challenges. So, to get back to your original question as to what skills really are in demand, with the techniques most commonly used today, especially those that rely on online data, like data from online job postings or professional networks, it's almost impossible to say. What we do know is that when you look at studies based on more representative data like the manpower group Talent Shortage Surveys, it's positions in skilled trades that are hardest to fill and has been for years along with drug drivers and healthcare professionals, which suggests that we should be training people for this occupation where they clearly don't need knowledge in blockchain and cloud computing.
0: But most reports on skills determine a really high demand for digital skills in some shape or form. How does that compute?
1: One reason is that most of these reports are based on data from online job postings or professional networks, which tends to be severely flawed for several reasons. First off, not all job vacancies are advertised online. In fact, certain markets are so dried out that vacancies aren't advertised at all. And some types of jobs are more likely to be advertised online than others, as it seems typically jobs that require digital skills, whatever that's supposed to mean.
0: So the data is biased.
1: Yes, severely so. Very often large firms in certain industries are completely overrepresented, even though they usually make up only a small part of the labor market. In Switzerland, for example, over 90% of all jobs are in small to medium-sized firms. In fact, the majority of them are in small companies, which have completely different roles, hierarchies and therefore skill sets than large companies. And they use a different language and different terms too. Take HR generalist. That's a typical term that you rarely find in small companies because it is obvious that that's what they are looking for. And if it does show up, it's understood differently than in a large company. And this also affects the desired or required skills, experience, etc. And there are many more problems that make online job advertising data mostly useless or at least not very meaningful, when they are not addressed. To put it bluntly, this crystal ball of online job advertising data is about as reliable as the one at FAIRS.
0: So, online job advertising as in online job advertising?
1: Right. The thing is that many companies and institutions that handle online job advertising data and use it to derive, say, predictions and training programs from it are very rarely aware of the true extent of these issues.
0: So what other issues are there with online data?
1: Well, apart from bias and confusion around what actually constitute a skill, there is the issue of duplicates. There is a lot of overlap in the various sources of online job postings and tackling deduplication really is far from trivial. Another very underestimated issue is granularity. What do you
0: mean by that?
1: The level of detail, both in the gathered data and in the communicated results. Digital skills, for instance, is a classic example of grouping more and more skills together until you end up with a completely meaningless umbrella term. Of course, there is a high demand for digital skills if you summarize everything from being able to use digital devices over handling social media accounts professionally to programming in Java. But what are you going to do with this? You can't perform sound analysis with data this unrefined. It's useless for any kind of meaningful statistics or matching, let alone defining hiring strategies or policy making.
0: I see your point. So why do you think this is done? I mean, if the data is collected, say, from online job postings, then surely it has a higher level of detail, right? I have never seen the term digital skills in a job ad.
1: Yes and no. The level of detail in online job postings varies considerably, and not just depending on the country or sector. Even across postings for the same profession in the same country, you will find anything from page-long detailed accounts of all responsibilities and required skills and qualifications to a post with the same information encoded implicitly in three sentences. But the real clustering usually happens when the collected data is processed. It needs to be standardized to make the data points comparable. And this standardization is typically based on simplified classification or taxonomies instead of leveraging comprehensive ontologies with a high level of detail. For instance, the ESCO and the ONET taxonomies are used in a lot of those projects. ESCO currently has about 13,500 skills concepts and ONET about 9,000. Sounds like a lot, right? Right. But it actually isn't. Our ontology, for instance, includes over a million skills concepts. So if you use ESCO or ONET, you already lose a lot of detail. But it's not just about the number of skills. More skill doesn't necessarily mean better information. It's more about having a way to compare the right things with each other. If you just standardize and cluster detailed information into oblivion, you end up in comparing apples and oranges without even realizing it. And these mistakes get carried along and multiplied over all downstream processes. But some processes are only possible if you have the context and the degree of complexity of a skill in its description. And that's why you need a much larger number of mappable skills.
0: Can you give an example?
1: Take um, knowledge of TensorFlow as a skill. TensorFlow is a software library used for machine learning and AI. Now, if you standardize this using ESCO, the closest you will get is the term Utilize Machine Learning. But that's an umbrella term for a whole host of skills and knowledge. Not just all sorts of other software libraries as well, like PyTorch, but also things like specialization in the different branches and subfields of machine learning, supervised or unsupervised, deep learning, and so on. How are you going to find the right talent for your project efficiently with a term that broad? Or design effective L&D strategies in government training programs? It's just useless. But of course, if you just want to generate attention with your results, then oversimplification is definitely the way to go. A short list of buzzwords is much easier to digest, so after standardizing it, the data is often clustered and simplified even further.
0: <laughs> okay, so it is not just the taxonomies then?
1: No, sensible skills taxonomy will list digital skills as an individual skill. They do provide more detail than that. But bias and granularity aren't the only issues with this skills data. Remember, I said that we don't have a common understanding of skills as a general concept. Sure. I also pointed out that the same goes for the individual terms we use to describe a supposedly concrete skill. If I give you a term like project management, you will have an idea of what that is based on your own knowledge and experiences. So you will give the term some kind of meaning. And I'll do the same based on my knowledge and experience. We agree that we both know what project management is, and then human nature kicks in. We assume that we are talking about the same
0: thing. And we are not?
1: Nine times out of ten, no, we are not. And the fact that different people have different notions of any given skill is a huge issue for data collection and analysis. Let's take another example. One of the most common so-called skills required in job postings anywhere on the planet and included in most taxonomies is Use Microsoft Office. This may sound like a fairly specific skill at first, but the informative value of this term is zero.
0: Really? How so?
1: It's completely unclear which applications in this large family of software are meant, and to what extent a person is supposed to be able to use them. If you think about what an employer is looking for when they use this term in a job ad, what they actually want is a whole set of much more concrete skills and knowledge, depending on the job description. You might need to be able to structure a document or create auto-calculating spreadsheets or good presentations which require skills in storytelling and visual communication. And the skill set will typically be very different from an office help in a small business compared to a marketing specialist in a large corporation. So basically, saying someone can use Microsoft Office is about as helpful as saying they can use a toolbox. But that doesn't stop it from showing up in over 80% of all job ads and close to 100% of all resumes and CVs.
0: I had never thought of it like that. But a lot of this implicit information can be worked out from the context, right?
1: Humans can, to a certain extent, and with the right background knowledge. But for any kind of meaningful analysis, we are talking about extracting both explicit and implicit skills from huge data sets. For that, you need an AI-based tool that actually understands the content and the context, or, say, a job description. Which is really only possible if it has access to an extensive knowledge representation that includes information not only on skills or jobs, but also education, work experience, certification, and much more. As well as required levels and the complex relations between all these different concepts.
0: This is starting to sound like a huge challenge. Wouldn't it be easier to collect data on jobs instead, and then work out the skills demand using standard skills profiles for jobs? It would.
1: If there were such a thing as standard skills profile for a given occupation, But several studies, including one we did here at JANS, show that there is just too much variation. There is national and regional differences, differences across industries, even across teams, within a single business. The job description often factors in what skills are already covered by other team members, which will change the required skill set for that particular point in time. Or the company advertising the job is specialized in a very specific activity that requires a different skill set. Take carpentry, for example. A company that specialized in cabinetry and furniture production will have little use for a carpenter skilled in drywalling and roof carpentry, and the common determinator in terms of skills is just too small. So, there is no way around collecting data on the skills themselves.
0: Okay, so we need to collect the skills data. But to recap, the data is typically incomplete and biased. The extracted skills are taken out of context and often generalized into Meaninglessness, and in fact, we can't really agree on a notion of a skill in the first place.
1: Exactly. And despite these issues, people draw all sorts of wild conclusions from their shaky data and propagate unfounded claims on current or even worse future skills demands. And if this kind of information comes from a seemingly reliable source, like, say, the World Economic Forum, the ILO, or the World Bank Group, then chances are the results will be used as a basis for far-reaching decisions. Like which training projects a government should allocate funds to for students' career counselling or even company recruiting strategies.
0: So, it could have pretty dramatic consequences for the labour market, right?
1: Yes, looking at the current interpretations flying around, they are encouraging politicians to carry on potentially misallocating billions in funding for upskilling and reskilling in the wrong areas. And actively point even more young talent away from occupation and industries in dire need of new talent. skilled trades, construction, nurses, care workers and more. Many of which are still clearly future proof. Just look at the situation in the UK with the truck drivers. The very obvious failure... To attract new workers has had dramatic systemic consequences. And yet, the key players in government and business are still going on about upskilling and reskilling workers for a digital world, completely undeterred. It's just bizarre.
0: So, how can we do better?
1: For one thing, we need to move away from easy statements and generic lists of glorified boss skills and towards differentiated interpretations and communication, even if it's less sexy. But for that, we need to gather the right data. We have to start by somehow reaching a common understanding, which means agreeing on a definition of a skill, standardizing skill designations and levels. And we need to determine key skills. Skills that are truly relevant to the job in question, which requires analyzing skills in their context. A challenge that Knowledge Lean system based purely on machine learning will never overcome and understanding that the most frequently mentioned skills aren't necessarily the important ones, that many key skills are implicit. We need to understand the limitation of data from online sources and gather and provide additional information when this data falls short. In short, we need to generate smart, unbiased data for smart, unbiased decisions.
0: On that note, thank you, Stefan, for joining us. Thank you, too. We have covered a lot of ground today, but we could carry on for hours. This really is the hot topic at the moment, and we will certainly delve deeper in the next season and some upcoming white papers, I believe. Right. This episode finishes this first season of the podcast. You can find all the episodes on our website, gens.technology. Follow us on LinkedIn, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts to make sure you don't miss the next season. Thank you for listening and goodbye.